Well, good morning again, Colonial Heights. Good morning out there at Commonwealth 20. Good to see everybody here this morning on this holiday weekend. You know, I got to thinking, when it's a holiday, we're just a little bit slower, aren't we? I mean, that just kind of means slow down, take it easy. We don't want to be real aggressive. So I thought, what if on this holiday weekend I could do, would do, a 30-second sermon? You'd be impressed, wouldn't you? I mean, most of you know I can't finish a sermon in under 30 minutes. So how in the world could I do one in 30 seconds? 30 seconds. And we're not going to miss anything. We're going to do an illustration, an explanation. We're going to give the directive a 30-second sermon. You'd be impressed. Some of you'd just be grateful. Very, very grateful that I do. And that's my goal today, 30-second sermon. Now, let let me clarify. For one verse. I mean, clearly you wouldn't expect me to cover a whole lot of verses in 30 seconds, would you? So what we're going to do is more in 30-second sermon on one verse. Now, there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. So at 30 seconds a verse, about 88 minutes is how long this sermon's going to last. Get out your sack lunch and a, and a Gatorade. Open up your Bible. We're going to be here for a while. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Kind of right there in the middle of your Bible. Find the Psalms and get to the 119th Psalm. It is the longest Psalm. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. I have been asked more than once, more than three or four times actually, how are you going to teach this whole Psalm in one sermon? Well, guess what? You're about to find out. Let's look at this. We're going to begin with a sampling of Psalm 119. Let me begin in verse 1. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Drop down to verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 13, with my lips. Listen to what he says he does. Look at for everything that follows I. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then look over at verse 60, 60, verse 60. I hasten, man, what a principle here. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Verse 89, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. 
verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Look at verse 127. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Verse 144. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. And then lastly, verse 151. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Folks, the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible. So Psalm 119 is about your relationship. It's about my relationship with this book that we call the Bible. Now, now stop and think about that for a second. How would you describe your relationship with this book? What is a word, what is a phrase that you would say, this is how I relate, this is how I would describe my relationship with the Bible? What do you believe about it? What do you believe in it? What kind of impact does it have on your life, both big picture and day to day? How does it shape your decisions? How does it shape your values? Gosh, you and I are looking at ideas every day of our life. Ideas are, are coming to us through the news, through conversations with friends at school and at work. We watch a, a TV show. All the time, ideas are coming at us. What role does the Bible play in shaping all these things that are flowing through our mind? Whether we're talking about marriage, money, divorce, living together, pornography, homosexuality, race, politics... And folks, these are big issues that are, we're being confronted with almost every single day. What role is the Bible playing in having an impact on that? Because if it's not, the culture is. The culture absolutely, definitively, and aggressively wants to shape how you think on every one of those topics. By the way, every one of those topics I just mentioned, that was a little commercial. And that's going to be our sermon series this fall. I tell people what I'm talking about this fall, and they say, really? It's kind of starting to make me scared. I've been brushing up my resume. Don't know how this is going to go. But we're going to look at every single one of those issues this fall and see, hey, what role does the Bible play in shaping what I understand about that, how I act in that, how I relate about that among family and friends out there in the world? Because, folks, if the Bible's not shaping it, the culture is. And that makes life very complicated. And that's the title of the series this fall. It's complicated. Now let's look here at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 may be 
The, the most intriguing chapter in the entire Bible in its craftsmanship. There had to be some engineering to put this thing together. There had to be some, some artwork to put this thing together. J- just look down at Psalm 119. Doesn't even matter what verse you're looking at. J- just look down on the page of Psalm 119. Now, a couple things you might notice. One, you should notice, not, not every Bible will do this, but most of them will. You should notice a break after about every eight verses. You, you should start at verse 1, go down to verse 8, and then there'll be a little bit more white space, right? Y'all see what I'm talking about? Then you, you go from 9 to 16 and a little bit more white space. There's a break. That's because in Psalm 176, there are 22 groups of 8 verses. 22 groups of 8 verses. Why 22? Well, look at the top of each 8 verses. Again, I think most of your Bibles will do this. You'll see a word there that you don't read or recognize. Like above verse 1, it says Aleph, A-L-E-P-H, Aleph. And then you see above verse 9, you say, oh good, I recognize that girl's name, Beth. It's not actually Beth, it's Bet. But you see Bet above verse 9, and then above verse 17, Gimel. And then above verse 25, Daleth. Sounds like names in a Star Wars movie, doesn't it? Yeah, actually what that is, that's the phonetic sounding of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So in other words, for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, there are eight verses about the Bible. But now watch this. This is where the craftsmanship, this is where the artwork really starts to come in. You see there at the top of verse 1, Aleph, that letter, every, every one of the eight verses that follow that, the first word begins with the letter, guess what? Aleph. Then you get to verse 9. The first word of the next eight verses begins with a word that has the letter bet. And all the way through the entire alphabet. Somebody really thought about this. Somebody really worked on a, on a very creative, on a, on a very uh, unique way of communicating how significant and how important the Bible is to you and I knowing God, to you and I loving God, following God, faithfully serving God. And every one of those ideas should be huge in our life because every one of those ideas God is worthy of, number one. And number two, it's how we find life. Abundant life, meaningful life, the life that we want. That's what Psalm 119 is giving us. Now, when you look at Psalm 119, you're going to see a couple of words that are repeated over and over and over. You know, when you and I refer to this book, I mean, just a few moments ago, I said, get out your Bible. We can say that with a lot more confidence, can't we? Y'all yell it out there at Commonwealth. When I said, get out this Bible, Bible, that's right. We refer to this as a Bible. That's, that's the most common word. Now, we'll also refer to it as the Word of God, right? So we got a couple of synonyms, a couple of words that we use. In this psalm that I just read, there are seven to eight words. You say, well, which is it, seven or is it eight? Well, there's two words that are, gosh, they're almost the exact same word. So, so I listed seven words here. There are seven words that are used for what you and I call the Bible. You think about it. Now, you weren't listening for it, but you did hear this in all the verses that I just read. You heard the word law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, rules, and word. I put out here, you know, how many times it's used in that psalm. Now, if you get real close, you can see there's a little bit different definition for each one of these words. If you were doing an in-depth study, you might say, okay, now why did he choose that particular word in this verse? 
And, and you could see some, you know, some little variances, a little bit of flavoring with each one of these words. But now you could also step back from these seven words and say, those definitions all say the same thing. <laughs> those, those seven words are basically saying the same thing. And yeah, there's some truth to that too. These words are all synonymous. They're all words referring to this book right here. The law, the Bible, the word of God. Now, one of these seven words or eight words appears in all but three of the 176 verses. In other words, 173 times you see one of these words. Now, I learned that little piece of trivia, and I thought, well, what happened with the other three verses? Man, just go ahead and finish it out. <laughs> but, but he didn't. 173 verses, we see one of these words. Now, this, this psalm is talking to us about God. It's talking to us about life. It's talking to us about man. And do you know what basically you're hearing on these big issues? 173 times you're hearing the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. The... No, I'm not going to say it 173 times. You get the idea though, right? Imagine reading one chapter and seeing that word, the Bible, 173 times. You know, I actually think there's a lesson in that. I think there is something for us in that. Folks, I think there should be a repetitiveness in our lives of going to the Bible. Shouldn't there? Constantly, no matter what the issue, no matter what the day. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Now when the psalmist is writing about the Bible here, and I, and I refer to him as the psalmist, we don't actually know who wrote Psalm 119. There's some good scholarship to suggest that maybe Ezra is who wrote that? that? That priest who led the people back from the exile back to Judah and Jerusalem. I kind of like the idea that maybe Ezra wrote that. But it's a guess. We really don't know who wrote it. But if it were Ezra, or we'll just refer to him as the psalmist, when he wrote Psalm 119, he is overwhelmingly in love with God. And at this moment, what is causing him to love God, to adore God, and to worship God is because He's got a copy of the scriptures. He is amazed. He is in adoration of a God who would give us this. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever, man, how blessed I am, how good God is that he would give us this. And that's really what you have in Psalm 119 is the psalmist amazed and in adoration that God has given him the Bible because he sees so many good things that our life profits by when we read, when we study, when we memorize, and of course the big one, when we obey this word. So much comes into our life. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 119, he makes a list of the things that your life and my life profits by when we're in the scriptures. Look at this list. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. I, I didn't list everything. I, I just, uh, for sake of time, I pulled out a few things. And you'll also notice that six means this idea is found in verse six, found in verse seven. On every one of these things, I could have added two or three more numbers. There's a lot of repetition in Psalm 119. And so all of these things are referred to more than once. But folks, when you and I are living in, living by the word of God, here's what's going to happen. It's going to keep us from being put to shame. When you're living in, living by the Word of God, you will never be put to shame before men or before God. It's going to enable you to praise God with an upright heart. You know what? When you're far from the Scriptures, it's hard to praise Him. It's hard to feel comfortable in front of Him. 
It's going to keep our way pure. It's going to keep us from sin. It's going to give us life, give us strength. It'll show us the way of faithfulness. Now think about that. You come to some point in your life. I I don't know in your life what led you to this point. But you decide, hey, I believe there's a God. I believe this is a real deal. How do I faithfully follow that God? Hey, the Bible will tell you how to do that. Hey, I understand that God is is really loving. Don't we say God is love? How do I know that love? How do I experience that love? The Bible will tell you that. Let's go on to the next list. Man, I hear that God will save me. He'll save me from sin and from death. How does that happen? How do I find out how God will do that? The Bible will tell you that. You see, folks, the Bible is going to give us everything that we need to know. It's going to give us answer, an answer for the one who taunts us. It's going to comfort us in affliction. It'll provide what we need. It'll bring mercy. It anchors us to what is fixed and eternal. I start to appreciate those verses more and more in our culture, don't you? Y'all ever feel like just every single day in America, we're just making the whole thing up as we go? Every day, we just recreate the rules. Man, what a blessing to have something we can anchor our life to, make decisions by, build a life on, that's not changing from day to day, making up the rules as we go. Makes us wiser than our enemies. Keeps us from every evil way. Is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Keeps us from sin from getting dominion over us. We get truth. It brings peace. It, it keeps us from stumbling. Keeps us blameless and right before God. Brings us help from God. Now, you know what? I would imagine in this room, a lot of us in here, we would look at this list and we'd say, Amen, wouldn't we? Man, we believe this. I, I believe the Bible does this. And I've experienced You have experienced the Bible doing these things. But I think even those of us in here or out at Commonwealth 20 that would say, I believe in that, I've experienced that, I think we might also scratch our heads sometimes and say, you know, yeah, I believe those things, but I don't don't know that I've experienced all those things. I, I don't know that I've experienced all those things consistently. You know, did, did, did the Bible not work for me? Did, did, did the Bible fail? What, what happened there? And then, of course, there would be some of us, I hope not a lot, but there'd be some of us that would say, you know what, I've, I've tried to read it, gave a little run at studying it. I don't, I don't think I experienced any of that. I, I don't know that being in the Word of God did any of those things in, in my life. What, what happened? Does, does the word fail? Does it not necessarily work for everybody? You remember my first question. What's your relationship with the Bible? You see, a lot of what Psalm 119 is going to do is talk about how you and I relate with Scripture. And, and if the Bible is going to be and do what it can be and do in our lives, there are some things we must do with the scriptures. And Psalm 119 makes a big list on that. Let's look at that list. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. I've just pulled out a couple of things. Number one here, walk in the law of the Lord. Okay, we can just stop right there. We don't even need the rest of the list. Right there, what is the problem we have with scripture sometimes? This implies that not only do we read it, but we obey it. I mean, folks, let's be honest. In church, we've made an art form out of doing Bible studies that don't change anything about our life at all. I mean, Sunday in and Sunday out, Wednesday in and Wednesday out, whether we're meeting with a group in church or whether we're meeting with a group in a home, oh, we pour over God's Word and we study God's Word, and then we get up and leave and not one thing changes. This says, no, you actually need to walk in what you study. You need to do 
what you read. Keep his testimonies and seek them with a, look at that word, whole. A whole heart. Man, that says something about the attitude and the emotion that I come to this book with. Man, I'm passionate. I'm zealous. My whole heart is after this book. Diligently keep precepts. You know, when you hear that word diligent, folks, does that describe your relationship, your approach to Scripture? Diligent means carefulness, preciseness, exactness. We want to make sure we've got the whole thing. And I don't, I, does that describe it? I think probably a lot of times no. Diligently keep. Guard my way according to His Word. Store up His Word in our heart. That, word, that phrase means we memorize it. You know, folks, I think the church has subtly taught a horrible thing. Our church, along with most churches I know. We have subtly taught that it is very important for you to memorize Scripture until you're about 12. You notice that we got all kinds of programs for kids to memorize Scripture. Then after 12, it just, wham, it stops. Why is that? I don't, I don't know anywhere in Scripture when it says it's very important for children, not so much for adults. If you're 52 years old, 82 years old, 62, you should be memorizing Scripture. Declare all the rules of His rules with my mouth. Am I speaking God's Word? Do I speak it in my home? Do I speak it at work? Do I speak it with family and friends? Meditate on His Word and fix my eyes on it. We talked about meditate in Psalm 1. Long for it. Man, I long for it. I really desire. I want to know what God says about this. Man, they're talking about it on the news all the time. Gosh, my friends are bringing that up. Gosh, that song said this. What does God say? We long to know what He says. Keep and observe the whole law. Not... Not pick and choose. Not, not the parts I like. Not the parts that serve me. The whole thing. There's a commitment and desire to know, to understand, and obey the whole thing. Hope in His rules. Keep His law. Look at this word. Continually. I mean, folks, do you hear, what you're, you hear these words, what they're saying? What's my relationship with the Bible? Man, with my whole heart, with a passion. I want to diligently understand it. I want to passionately obey it. You see, these words are describing continually, diligently, whole. These are the words that should be describing our relationship with this book we call the Bible. Don't turn from His Word even when made fun of for it. I mean, that's a reality. If you read, study, and obey this Word, you will be somewhere at some times mocked, made fun of, and ridiculed for that. The Bible says that should affect nothing about our relationship with it. It doesn't slow us down one bit. Bend your ways to God's Word. Every time I open God's Word and I read on a subject, an idea, man, how do I bend my life to that? How do I turn my life so that more and more of my life represents God's Word? See, remember what I said about the psalmist? He adores God. Can't believe God would give him this. And he not, he not only wants his words of praise to say that to God, but he wants his life's conformity to this word to communicate to God, hey, this is how precious I believe this book to be. Be quick. No delay to obey. Folks, when you learn something in God's word, you do it. Enough said, right? 
You learn it, you do it. You don't wait, there's no delay. Let's look. Look to God for instruction about what his word means. You know what that means? Every time we open this book, we start with, Lord, open my eyes, open my ears to hear and to see what you're saying, what you're doing here. Give me a heart and a mind to understand. Bible interpretation starts with prayer. Starts with seeking God for what he said in that. Love his word. Keep his rules at all costs. You know why that's there? Because there's a cost. Say, cost? What's it going to cost me? It can cost anything and everything. It can cost you time. It can cost you effort. It can cost you money. It can cost you friends. It can cost you a job. When folks look down through Christian history. It's cost people their lives, right? It costs. I, I pray it doesn't cost any of us anything like a life. But when we come to this word, my relationship, whatever cost this day brings to me loving this word and trying to obey it, it's not going to slow anything down. I pay the cost. Have regard. Regard. I'm constantly thinking again. What's God say here? Be afraid of his judgments. Be afraid of the Bible? That's kind of weird, isn't it? No, not at all. It means when I come to this book, I respect it. I don't come to this book to manipulate it and make it say what I want it to say or pick and choose what I think it's trying to say today. You know, periodically, I'll, I'll, I don't actually refer to this much from the pulpit, but I might think of the word a liberal church. You know what a liberal church is for me? It has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat, by the way. A, a liberal church for me totally is based on what they do with this book. And there are a lot of churches, maybe the majority of churches in America today that have not respected, have not feared this book, but they've said, oh, we need to take that out. People don't like that. Oh, if, if, if we're not going to be made fun of, we need to stop talking about that. We need to stop. You see, we come to it and we, we make it our servant. No, no, no. We fear it. We respect it. Love his word more than money. Boy, that's crazy. Let's just move on to the next one. Broken for those who do not obey his word. Look at this one, folks. Sing and praise. Have you ever in your life... I mean, this is a room filled with church people. I mean, we love God's word in here, right? Have you ever walked into that door and said, Man, I want to praise God today just because I got to hold a Bible this week. I want to sing his praises because I got to read the Bible this week. If you had no other reason to praise him, but I have the Bible. That's what, that's what the psalmist said. I want to praise him just because of this. Man, folks, there's a lot there, isn't it? H how do you begin? How do we begin to even sum all that up and, and get some kind of direction here? Man, I've got to desire the book, study the book, read the book, memorize the book, meditate on the book, make decisions by the book, build my life on the book, obey the book. And I've got to do all of those things faithfully, continually, diligently and therein should describe your relationship and my relationship with this book and I don't know that those words and ideas always describe my relationship with this book how about you and that might be why sometimes I look in here and I see the Bible saying, it'll do this, it'll be this. And I say, but wait a minute, I didn't, I didn't see that, I didn't experience that. It's not the Bible that failed. I failed. So where do we go? Do we just quit? No, man, praise God for His grace. Okay? Grace forgives, but grace doesn't say, and don't let it matter to you today. <laughs> no, grace inspires me to say, okay, today, today, I start a fresh new relationship with this word and how I 
approach it. Let me give you a couple of ideas, a couple of ideas of how we relate with God's Word, how we build and develop this. Number one, take inventory. I mean, how can you build something? How can you develop something? How can you correct something if you don't even know where you are in it? I would suggest make a list. Here's the pieces of my life, the relationships, the values, the idea, the issues. Here's the pieces of my life that I'm pretty sure conform to God's Word. You know, I, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what God wants it to look like. Or, boy, right there, I know. I, I learned this in this study, or I read this, and I, I went and changed. Here's the things in my life that are conforming to God's Word. That's the good list, right? Yay. Yay for a good... I hope we have a good list, right? couple of things on it, three or four. But then we also need to make the bad list. Okay, here's some things in my life I know. That's not what God's Word says. I'm not living in light of that right there. You know what else we need to add on this list? I don't know that a lot of us would consider this bad. We should. To the bad list, we need to add, here's things that are important to me. Here's things that I do. And I don't have a clue what God says about that. Guess what, folks? Ignorance isn't okay. It doesn't relieve anything. It's not okay to say, well, here's a whole thing. I don't know. Folks, God has spoken to every issue going on in your life. Every idea, everything going on around us. God's spoken to it. Okay? I don't even have a clue what he thinks on that. Remember what I said? Have regard for his word. I'm constantly thinking, what does God say here? Second thing, begin a personal Bible study reading plan and study plan. Now, this is, this is, we've, you know, there are things that are good on the internet. This is one thing the internet makes easy. Just Google Bible study reading plans and you'll find a bazillion plans. Bazillion ways to read. read a, a lot of them will be how to read the Bible through in a year. Okay? He said, well, I can't do that till January 1st. That's silliness. Absolutely. You can start before January 1. Start, hey, today's September 1, isn't it? Start today. Start today and go to next August 31st. And when you get to next September 1, start over. Start with a Bible reading. Let me encourage you to do this. Read the Bible every day of your life. Read the Bible every single day of your life. Well, if I miss a day, am I going to hell? Of course not. If I miss a day, does that mean it'll be a bad day? Folks, it's not a lucky charm. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you something. It is foolishness to say you and I only need this three or four times a week. There's actually not a day in my life or your life that we shouldn't want to see what God thinks. And what God says. Make it a goal. Attempt to begin reading God's word every day of your life. There's a lot of Bible reading plans out there to do that. A study plan. Okay, when I read it, what do I do with it? How do I understand it? How do I study that? Learn to fish. Learn to become a student of God's word. I've recommended this before. There's a book called... Bible study methods. Bible study is a pretty easy title in light of what we're talking about today. Bible study methods by Rick Warren. W-A-R-R-E-N. Rick Warren, Bible study methods. This will teach you what to do when you pick this up. What to do, where to start, how to do this, how to do that. What to do with a daily quiet time. What to do with a daily Bible reading plan. This is very practical, very applicable. I was looking through it. I, don't, I wouldn't buy this electronically. I'd go ahead and get the one you can actually hold. It's not a workbook per se, but I think there's places in here you'd like to actually be able to write and practice and do some things like that. So learn to study God's Word. Number three, get in a group Bible study. You know who scares me? is people who learn the Bible all by themselves. They don't need a church. They don't need anybody else. I haven't met a pastor that's smarter than me. I haven't met a church person. So I know the Bible. I can get it all by myself. Always. 
Can you use the word always? I don't know. I'm using it right now. They're always out of balance. They say, now wait a minute. You just said to learn to study the Bible on your own. Absolutely. But don't let what you, leave, don't let what you do with the Bible be alone. Bring it into God's house. Bring it with God's people. Here in our church on Sunday morning, that's a life group in a class on Sunday morning out there at Commonwealth. That'd be a small group during the week. And you today, right now, you can go to information desk. Say, what is a, what's a life group? Where do I find one? How do I get involved in one? Out there in, in the lobby of Commonwealth 20, there's a table set up right now for you to go out and say, when do the small groups meet? Where do they meet? What are the topics? But I want to take what I'm learning about God, what I'm learning in His Word, and I want to bring it with others. How are they studying it? How did they see that? How are they looking? Oh, I need to fix that. Oh, I didn't look at that right. We need to bring it together. It keeps us balanced. We need to get in a small group. Memorize a passage a month. So that won't add up to very much. Let me tell you what doesn't add up to very much. Nothing. Nothing always adds up to nothing. But if you had memorized one passage a month starting last September, you'd have 12 verses stored in your heart just like God told you to do. And if you'd been doing that for five years, it'd be 60 verses stored up in your heart. Folks, this doesn't have to be a mountain. Just start. Start doing something in this area, memorizing. Do that with a friend. Do that with your mate. Do that with your family. Hold each other accountable. Number five, how many times a day can you think, I wonder what the Bible says about this. Now, the goal is not just to ask the question and stop. Go, 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 go find out. Go find out. what. Go. But train your mind. Discipline your mind to start continually, constantly asking, what did God say here? What does God think about this? What would God do? What does his word say? Folks, what I'm suggesting today is not easy. It's hard. Okay? It will take time away from TV. It will take time away from Facebook. It will take time away from some sleep. It, it takes effort. And guess what? That's not the hard part. The hard part is when we actually go to that next step and try to obey, try to apply what we've read, what we've studied, what we've learned, what we've memorized. When we go to live it. it I mean, this scripture's truth in advertising. It'll cost. You'll be mocked. For this, this is not easy, but this is why it's such a big deal. Because right now, today, your life is bending. It's always bending. You, you can talk about your life bending on a particular issue and a particular relationship, or you can just talk about your life in general. It's bending. It's bending toward the world, or it's bending toward His Word. Always. One of those things is right and good and eternal. One of those things burns. Well, we really need to know where our life's bending, don't we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, like the psalmist, could we adore you that we get to hold something so precious and valuable in our hands? God, would we build in our lives a discipline and exercise where like the psalmist we could come to a place of saying that this book is sweeter on our lips than honey. That it's more valuable to us than the money in our pocket. Oh God, give us a heart and a life for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.